Jesus, 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 nobody but, nobody but, Jesus, Jesus, in this place, hallelujah, hallelujah, nobody but Jesus, nobody but Jesus, hallelujah, everything I got, I got it because of Jesus, the reason why I'm here is all because of Jesus, hallelujah, there's an old song that says, uh, by the power of God, that everything moved by the power of God. And we are here by that power that is in Jesus. Can I get a witness in the house today? Give God a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We serve a, a real God. Keep standing. We're about to go. We're about to pray. We serve a true God. A God that can do anything but fail. And I'm glad he knew me first. And I'm glad he gave me an opportunity that I may know him. Can somebody just say thank you, Lord, this morning? When there were walls in my pathway, God knew how to bring them down. When there were bridges I couldn't cross, God knew how to take me over. Am I by myself this morning? When I was sick and I didn't know, not that I couldn't get well, but I didn't know how I was going to get well. God did that. Did he do it for somebody else in the church today? Hallelujah. I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord. With my Hallelujah. I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee. I will bless thee, O Lord. Come on, church, we can sing this. I will bless thee, O Lord, with a heart of thanksgiving. I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee. I will bless thee. O Lord. I will bless thee. O With the heart of his giving, I will bless thee oh. with my hands. With my hands lifted, hallelujah, and my mouth filled with praise. With the heart of thanksgiving, I will bless thee, O oh Lord. I will bless thee, I will bless thee, oh I will bless thee, oh Lord. With the heart of thanks. Come on up, church. I, I will, will bless, bless thee, oh Lord. Lord. Come on, church, come on. <laughs> I will bless thee, oh Hallelujah. Thanksgiving. 
Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come right now, God. God, we just thank you, O oh God, that all that we need, God, is in you. All that we need, God, is in you. All that we should desire, God, is in you. All that we could ever want is in you. And God, your word shows us that of how you've taken care of us. That your word says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he died for the ungodly. And he died for the destitute. That he died for the unlovable. But it's because he loved us so much that he shows us that we are lovable. And Father God, I thank you today, God, that you gave us one more day. We couldn't even pray for the day because you said in your word that tomorrow is not promised. And when we woke up this morning, we should have woke up with a heart filled with thanksgiving and a mouth filled with praise. Because everything that we have, you gave it to us. And God, we bless you for it today, God. God, I ask you, God, that to, to please allow your Holy Spirit to be in this place. That he arrest us in here today, God. That he arrest us right where we are. That whatever we need to break down, oh God, to get to him, he'll tear it down. Whatever needs to be built up to get to him, God, he, Father God, you know how to build it up. And if it's the words that we pray ain't right, God, you are God enough to know how to change our language. If our praise ain't right, God, you are God enough to, to allow your Holy Spirit to be in our midst to show us how to praise you. And God, we, we, we are finite, whereas you are infinite. And our finite praise ain't enough, God. We don't have enough in us to praise you like you deserve. No matter how much we shout and run and sing and holler, God, it ain't enough for you, God. Because of all that you do and all that you are about to do. But God, at this moment, God, at this day, God, let your word come forth, God. Forgive us all of our sins. Help us to take our minds off of everything that's going on in our life. And let you answer our prayers today, God. As you speak to us, God, I believe you're going to answer somebody's prayer today, God. So speak to us, oh God. As you speak out of your manservant, God. Forgive me of my sins. Get me right. Get me ready, God. Pour out to your people, God. In the name of Jesus. Pour out to your people, God. That you get the glory in everything. And that you give us this day. Help us to get it right right now, God. For we may not see tomorrow, but help us to live right today. Help us to live holy today. But without holiness, we cannot see you. In the name of Jesus. God, I bless your name. Have Daniel fell to decrease. But have Jesus Christ increase to your people in word, deed, power, and in sight. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Give God a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Give him some praise. Give God some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Do you love him this morning? Do you love him this morning? Raise your hand real quick and say, I love the Lord this morning. I love the Lord this morning. 
I love the Lord this morning. Please turn with me to the gospel according to Luke chapter 15, giving honor to God who is the head of my life to his son Jesus, to the precious Holy Ghost, to recognizing all of us here in our perspective places, my father's children. He is always good and he's always worthy of the praise. Amen, somebody? I just want you to go down to verse 11 and 12, just two verses. And it says, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, give the portion, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Very briefly, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm here to talk to us today about the father. You may take your seats, the father. You know, when we, Sister Washington, good to see you today. Amen. Um, when we fasted, the main thing that I told us that we did, that were were to happen, the reason why we were fasting was so that we could get reset. And I don't know about any of you, I got reset. And I got reset in so many areas that it blew my mind and still blowing my mind. And one area that God reset me was in his word. And how he reset me was that when I, sometimes when you think you know the word, like you know the word, like you've always known the word, God has a way of giving you fresh eyes. Giving you eyes in such a way that help you see it the way, as you hope, the way that he intended you to see it today. I may see it somewhere differently tomorrow, but today. And one of the things that I've, I've, I've come to learn is that sometimes we say things that we really don't mean when it comes to God. When we tell God we want God to have his way, sometimes we don't mean that. Sometimes what we mean is that we want God to have his way how we want him to have his way. When we ask God to do it, we want him to do it like we want him to do it. Not like how he wants to do it. Because contrary to all of our opinion, God don't need our permission. Can I get a witness in here today? He don't need our permission. Neither can our understanding knows all the things that he is capable of doing. His word only has a a snippet of all the things that God is capable of doing. Even John the writer says, not the gospels cannot contain everything. And one of the things that I, I, I'm, I'm, when I asked God to do this, when I became the pastor here, I didn't realize how he was going to do it. And that was, I wanted God to take the bricks off. I wanted God to have no restrictions in me. That was the first sermon that I preached here. No limits, no restrictions as pastor. And I've learned that when we pray that, when we want God to do that, when God begins to take restrictions off, 
some of us sometimes have some hesitations about how God does things that he does. And sometimes we don't like them. And sometimes we don't like how he do it in other folk. Sometimes we just get so dissatisfied to the point that we even challenge, is it, even if, if God is in the place, is God in that? Is God pleased with that? And, and what I, I've been counseling a lot lately, and I've been telling folk that, that in order for God to uh, rebuild anything, sometimes what he got to do is tear down some old stuff. Sometimes he got to strip it down all the way down to the frame. And it's at that point, God knows how to rebuild stuff back up. Hallelujah. We, we have a beautiful place to worship God. Amen. I mean, I mean, it is beautiful. But how many know or even, even thought about that, that this really wasn't what God had in mind? Work with me now. In this, in this how we see this edifice, when we read in the Old Testament, of when how God designed and told them and, and how he want his temple to be arranged. It didn't look like this. As a matter of fact, the pews that we see today, there weren't any pews. There wasn't a pew that, you know, pews didn't come into play until about the, it's called the Reformation period, the Protestant Reformation period about the late 15th century, early 16th century, something like that. And during that period, uh, there was always, when people came to the house of God, they either stood or they kneeled. And I often wonder, how would things be if we didn't have any pews in this place? How would it be if we, if we came with the mindset of really wanting to worship God, really wanting to have God's people to come in and worship him in the beauty of holiness? What, could we do that? Hallelujah. But even, even when they brought in the pews, it wasn't so that people could be comfortable. It was brought in so people could, so that the church could raise money. Did you know that when they brought in the pews, they, they, they advertised it like this. They said, well, we know that you're standing, but if you want to have a seat, we'll rent this pew out to you. They would rent out the pew as a way to make money so that people could feel, so they would feel comfortable when they came to worship God. But don't you know God don't always want us comfortable? He wants us, if we want God to take the brakes off, we all want to take the brakes off ourselves. And even in the rest of the world today, don't you know that it's, the, it's North America and Europe are the really the, 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 the two dominant countries that have their churches that have pews? Where there are countries in Africa and in India and Asia, well, especially in countries where they have to sneak off to worship God, they don't have any pews. All they got, the walls are beautifully decorated, but the floor is bare. And all they want to do is come in and worship the true living God without any restrictions. They're not worried about how we're dressed. They're not worried about how people look. Even the Bible talks about that. But the Bible talks about how we sometimes uh, give favor to those who dress really nice. Ain't nothing wrong with dressing nice. But, the, but then there, there are times when a person not dressed so nice that we'll beat them up. We'll put that person in the back of the church and bring up the nicely dressed person to the front of the church. Ain't nothing wrong with this dress as long as you're dressing modestly. 
But when we get to Jesus, one of the things that we sometimes miss is that some of the same things that we have a problem with today, the Pharisees had a problem with back then. Did you know the people couldn't come into the, into the, the house of worship because they weren't dressed a certain way? The Pharisees had put rules in place. Say that only the rich could come in, but so far, all of the poor folk had to stay at the back of the church. And if you was a woman, you couldn't come in without a man. And if you came in, you had to be really right at the door. Because they had a certain way of how they wanted you to worship God. And sometimes we make the mistake of calling the people then the church. They were not the church. The church did not get formed until after Jesus went to the cross. He gave them the plan as to how he wanted the church to be. But the church did not get established until Jesus died and rose again. And the Holy Spirit came. Thank you, Jesus. But here is something that they didn't like Jesus for. They didn't like him because he stirred things up. When John the Baptist came in, they, they looked at him, they asked him, was he the one? And I often thought about that. Why did they pick John to ask, was John the Baptist the one? The reason why they asked him that was because he was so different. He didn't dress like them. He didn't live where they lived. He didn't eat like them. And didn't even talk like them. But they wanted to know, was he the one? But John said, I'm not he. But I, am, I have come before the one who is to come whose laces of his shoes I would not be able to tie. And then when Jesus came down like he came and he came to be baptized, John told him, you should be baptizing me. But Jesus said, I got to be baptized so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. And when he was baptized by John, the scripture said that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and the heavens opened up. And my, our father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And I've come to understand that as I read his word that whom God is well pleased in doesn't mean everybody going to like them. Whom God has, has pleasure and delight in, not everybody going to understand them, not everybody going to be pleased. As a matter of fact, some folk are going to try to tear them down. Even with Jesus. Jesus came. They didn't like him, one, because when he came into the temple, he embarrassed them. As a 12-year-old, he embarrassed them with his knowledge at 12. They were, who boy is this? And then even as he gotten older and he went into the synagogue and he opened up the book and he told them in so many words that he was the one whom Isaiah was talking about. And they looked at him and said, who is this? Who is this boy? He talks good, but they looked at how he dressed because he was a carpenter's son. They knew that he was a guy. They ain't this Joseph boy. And what's interesting to know is that how a person lived was how they dressed. If they were uh, a welder, they dressed in welder's clothes. If they were farmers, they dressed like farmers. And if they were carpenters, they dressed like carpenters. And guess what? Many times the working people were always dirty because they were always uh, working and because to to those folk who were rich, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees that dressed nice, they were dirty and they were beneath them because they were not them. How many of us want people to come in, but you want them to come in just like you? 
But here Jesus, they didn't like him because he didn't dress like them. He didn't talk like them. And also he didn't act like them. The same folk that they were trying to push away, Jesus was bringing in. The same folk that, that when it came time for alms, when it came time to feed the poor, they said, well, come on this day. Jesus said, I'll feed you any day. Any day. They didn't like that about Jesus. And the real, the big thing that they didn't like about Jesus was the fact that how he dressed, he looked just like them. Wow. And if Jesus was a carpenter today, how would he come into the church today? How would he come in? I was nervous today. I'm going to tell you. I was so nervous today. Because when the Lord gave me this message on last Sunday, normally he gives me, I was telling the nuns, he gives me a day or two. He gives me the word. But he dropped this word in me so rich on last Sunday. He like gave me the whole thing. I said, wow, thank you, Jesus. But then as I began to dig into it, I got so worked up. I said, but oh my God. But Jesus showed me something in his word is that they didn't, they really didn't like Jesus, not just because of how he talked, of how he interacted and how, how he dressed, but they really didn't like him because he sat among the sinners. He made them feel welcome. He made them feel, listen to this, loved. He made them feel loved. When was the last time we made somebody feel not welcome, but loved when they walk into this place? When was the last time? We sometimes have a hard time making each other feel loved in this place. Can't get no help with it, but it's the truth. We are here to love each other. And Jesus, when he sat among them, they were so, and they was just disgusted. I can't believe. Went to his Look at him. He gets eaten with them. And he's, he's sitting. Look at him. Even when folk come into the church, we want to point out their sins. I'm here to tell you something. Don't you know the folks in the street know that they're sinners? They don't need to be told that they're sinners. They don't need to be told that they're doing wrong. They don't need to be told that they're hell raisers. What they need to know that God still loves them. And, and this is what Jesus was doing. He was, he was showing them that as the son of God, and, and Jesus said, I am my father, I one. I can't say that the father loves you without me showing you that I love you. Who, Jesus? He can't, we can't tell somebody that God loves them without us showing them that they are loved. And the Bible shows us that when they, when they question this about him, at the beginning of the 15th chapter, it says in the second verse, and it says, and the Pharisees and the scribes murmured. I mean, they was talking underneath their breath, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eats with them. But Jesus gave them three parables in this chapter. Glory, hallelujah. He gave them three parables. And the first one was about the hundred sheep. He said, who would have, a, I'm a paraphrase, who would have a hundred sheep if one would go missing, wouldn't go out to look for that sheep, and then when they find that sheep, would rejoice. The angels in heaven rejoices 
when one comes that's been out there, been lost. Hallelujah. Then he goes on and talk about money. He said, who? He says, he says here, he says, if a woman had 10 pieces of silver, if she lost one piece, don't break out with a candle trying to find that one coin. She may got nine others, but she ain't going to quit till she finds that one other coin. And when she finds that coin, she starts giving God the praise. But then Jesus breaks off into this particular parable about, about a man having two sons. And one of the things that we talk about mostly is this son and how he goes off and wastes his money. And we sometimes talk about him with such indignation. But here's the thing. One thing we don't do, we don't talk about the father. The boy asked, but the father gave it. So who's at fault? The father or the son? When we see children out in the street going crazy like these boys right now, going out and stealing cars and running them into buildings, the first thing some folks will say, what are parents at? Don't you know parents can raise good children and their children go out and be crazy? It ain't the parents' fault. It's the children's fault. Because there comes an age when a child needs to take accountability for themselves when they know right from wrong. Do you hear me, church? But even in that, when they get caught, they know they did wrong. Thank you, Jesus. And the Bible here, and I asked, I said, why did Jesus bring this particular parable after the end of the two? And it wasn't necessarily about him leaving. It was the fact about that he has a father. Don't you know every sinner that we point to that they got the same father we got? They got the same father we got. They got the, they, they have the same privileges that we got. And contrary to all of our opinion, before they were sinners, they were children of the most high God. They were God's children. God loved them while they was in the womb. Even before they was in the womb, God loved them. So how dare we make them feel embarrassed about coming into a place that God designed so that them that need refuge can come in and get some of him. He is the same God of them all. And sometimes I've learned that we get jealous of them. Why do we get jealous of them? We get jealous, especially if we read Psalm 73. That's one of my favorite Psalms, Psalms of Asaph, because he got mad right off the bat. Asaph was mad because every time he looked around, he saw the wicked blessed. He saw the wicked blessed, and he wanted to tell the next generation, but the Bible said he almost messed up, but he didn't say nothing. And I'm glad he didn't say nothing. Because Jesus here is showing us that, that, that those folks that are not in the church, they got the same opportunity to ask the Father of anything just like we can. And who are we to say that those folks don't know God? Let me hit that rewind button. Who's to say that the folk out in the street don't know God? As a matter of fact, there are some folk out there that know the Bible better than many of us do. And they'll tell you, I'm not living it, and I don't want to come into that church 
being a hypocrite. And I said this many times, come on in, one more won't hurt. It won't hurt. Because there's a bunch of us in here. All of us in here been a hypocrite, one form of another. And if you say, I ain't one, you just lie. You are one right then. I ain't a sinner. You just lied. There you go. You're right. You're right in the midst. When you read the scriptures, one thing that 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 that, that Jesus says to Nicodemus when Nicodemus was talking about born again, Jesus, said, how don't you not know this? As smart as you are, how do you not know what this means when I said you must be born again? And that for a minute, it took me back to, I'm like, what are you talking about? But as I went into the scriptures and I understood, even in the Old Testament, when the, when the strangers came in from the other nations and they came in to be with the Jews, what did they have to give up? Their old life. Being born again was nothing new. It was just the title in which Jesus gave it. When they came in from these other nations, in the law, it says, when a stranger come in from among you, they must be willing to do everything that you do. They cannot worship no other idol gods. They must worship me and me only. And they must love you like they love themselves. What is born again? That's the Old Testament. And Jesus is the Old Testament. When we see him in Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, that's still the Old Testament. He, the New Testament don't come till he dies. But we see Jesus here, and he's with them, and he's telling this parable. And I see this, and I say, oh, my God. He had the right to ask his father to give me what I want. Don't you know they have that same privilege? Them out there in the street got the same privilege to say, Lord, can I have? Any of us had any children that didn't behave right? Can I get some witnesses on that? Any of us got some children that still don't behave right? Amen. And don't they still ask you for stuff? I can't get no help in here. Don't they still ask you for stuff? And sometimes you say, I ain't going to do it. And what do you do? You do it anyway. Don't you think God got the same privilege that he can still bless his children? Just because they're not in here all dressed up and looking pretty. Maybe they look just like this. But yet they still belong to God. And we want this church filled. That it will never get filled if we keep telling them that there are sinners. Our first priority ought to be that God still loves you. God still loves you. Every time I talk to Minister Shirley, before she gets off the phone, she says, I want you to know God loves you and so do I. Every time. She says it so much, I be trying to beat her to the punch. <laughs> trying to hang up before she said, but she can't say, oh, pass before you know. Just so you know, God loves you and so do I. But I'm here to tell us that every time somebody comes through the door, what they need to feel is not condemnation. They ought to feel love. They ought to feel love. And he said, lady, they come. He come in here switching. He a man. He know he's switching. They know they got tattoos on. They know they got piercings, but what they don't know and what sometimes what they don't believe and sometimes what they don't even get is that I wonder if God still loves me. In spite of, you let God do that work part. If you just love them and you just tell them, sometimes we take this word, yes, it is good enough for correction. 
good enough for rebuke, but it's also meant for love. When was the last time you really embraced somebody with the love of the word of God? Not using the Bible as a switch because it's comfortable unto you. The word of God is not a switch. It's meant to bring a person to life. Some folks are dying out here in this world, but this Bible will bring them back to life. It will resuscitate them in your hands, in your mouth. If you speak to them the love of God, like Jesus was doing with them, letting them know that God still loves you, I declare folks will turn it around. He had two, he had two sons. Jesus goes on and tells the rest of the story. But how he had wasted it. Don't you know, I want to know how many times have God blessed us and we wasted what God blessed us with? I don't hear about four or five people but that one. How many times we done prayed to God? God, give me and lie about what you're going to do with it. God, give me some more money. God, knowing good and well, you're going to waste it. And you waste it. And you say, oh, God, why me? That's what the brother, that's what the first, he asked God. God gave it to him, and he wasted it. How many opportunities have God blessed you with stuff? Has God blessed you with jobs and houses and homes and all kinds of stuff, and you wasted it? And the same father that gave it to you, he didn't beat you up for wasting it. You beat yourself up. When you came into the knowledge that you, God, do we know how hard, how much it costs God to bless us? In the same way that, that, that it costs God to bless you, do you know you can't even count up the cost of what it costs to bless other folk? It costs something. It costs God more than what we can even imagine of that. Them folk, he, he tells them, he, he, he uses that if you got lost sheep, Jesus went to get his sheep. Jesus went to get his father's children to tell them, I love you. I'm going to eat with you. I'm going to sup with you. I'm going to love on you. You can ask me questions. I'm going to tell you no lies. I will embrace you. I will show you that God is love and he is not hate. When was the last time you did that? With our fancy houses. When was the last time somebody knocked on your door for some food? You said, come on down and sit at my pretty table. Eat, eat off my china. Eat off my crystal. And you stink. Ooh, got real quiet, didn't it? Jesus wanted to show them. This is, we, we want to get, we want to get beyond where we are. This is how we, we got to, it starts with one thing, love. And to let them know that God the Father, he picked you. He picked you. When he told Jeremiah, in your mother's womb, I knew you. He knows your name. If he knows the hairs on your head, he knows your name. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. And all he wants you to do is to come unto him. But even if you don't come, he'll come to you. Thank you, Jesus. He'll come to you. Even if the church won't, God got folk that don't go to church that he has gripped their heart and said, go out there and tell them that I love them. I love them. This is what this chapter is about. That the Father's telling the first son, you want it, you can have it. But when you wasted it, 
and you realize where it came from, when you realize that your salvation, your freedom, your liberty, that it costs, and you see how low you can go when you walk away from God, and you see how when he comes back, he didn't need nobody to tell him that he walked away from God. He needed nobody to tell him that his with his father that it was better than it was with him. He didn't need nobody to tell him. He came busted, broke down, ready to eat corn cobs, working for a Gentile, but he crawled his way back to his father, saying within himself that if I could just get there, I would tell my father that I'm sorry. I would tell, I would repent. I would tell, I would apologize. I would do this thing right. Don't you know there are folk out there that are saying the same thing. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with drugs. I'm struggling with alcohol. I'm struggling with womanizing. I'm struggling with, with whether I'm a man or whether I'm a woman. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I know I'm struggling and I know God don't want me but somebody to tell him yes God does. God still wants you. God still loves you. We're so stuck on certain things. We get to be stuck on, like right now, there's this big thing among the churches and the pastors and the preachers, and it's driving me crazy. Beyonce and Rihanna. Just driving me crazy. Because they're talking about them. Don't go crazy. They're just talking about them like they dogs. But they forget they are still the children of God, and they live in wickedly. Listen, you must don't read your Bible. Because the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Do you know how many saved folk work for them? Do you know how many jobs that these folk have employed? Do you know how many people have become rich by working with them? Do you know how many folk? Rihanna is a billionaire. Beyonce is a billionaire. And you know how many people that they have made rich? Do you know how many folk are praying for them? Did you know every time Beyonce has a rehearsal before they leave, they pray? Some folks say, what does that mean? What do you do? You don't even say grace before you eat. And yet you want to talk about Beyonce and her praying? You're worried about folk going to a concert? Don't beat them up. You just love them with the word. And if they're not supposed to be there, just like the prodigal son, when he was eating that corn cob, the Bible said he came to himself. And when they hear that music, when they see where they are, something will happen. They'll come to themselves and they'll remember the word of God. And they say, I ain't supposed to be here. And they'll come out from among them. They'll come out. And they'll go to where they'll love. They will go to where they'll love. And if we want this, we got to love on them. What you saying? We got to no, I'm not saying accept anything. It starts with how you live. You live holy. Don't worry about how they living. Because eventually they'll get there. Because God was waiting patiently on you, didn't it? Then the father in this story waited patiently on the son. With, he didn't know if his son ever would return. I can in my spirit to my I see the father looking up the way the son hadn't got there, and he's gone. Oh, yeah, that's him. Go get my robe. And I left for who? Your brother coming. Thank you, Jesus. Your brother coming. I want to tell somebody your brother coming. You can't see him, but they coming. You can't, you can't, you can't, you don't know what they done been through, but they coming. 
They how they left ain't how they coming back, but they coming. They all coming back. They coming back. They're gonna come beat up. They're gonna come eating the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, being with the wrong people, being with the wrong crowd. They're not even gonna recognize you. They're not gonna recognize themselves. But when they get to you, they're gonna with their actions, not even with their mouth, with their actions, they'll show you that they have been that they have changed. Just like the man on the cross right next to Jesus, he was telling them off when he was walking up the way. But when Jesus got on the cross right beside him, he said, Lord, remember me. Hearts can change just like that. How did his heart change? Because he was right next to love. Even though Jesus was on the cross, he was right next to love. Love was right there. He was able to change because love was right there. He was able to turn a new leaf because love was right there. Right there. And my question is for us. When was the last somebody, time somebody changed being right next to you? If you're so holy and so filled with the Holy Ghost. When was the last time somebody stood right beside you and you not, and you not opened up your mouth? Jesus didn't talk to them. And on the cross, he didn't. On the cross, he only spoke to a couple folk. He spoke to his mama and spoke to his brother. He said, behold thy son, behold thy mother. And he spoke to the man right next to him. And he said, this day, hallelujah, you will be in my father's kingdom. That's how good God is. He know, how to, he know how to reconcile you to the family. You may have walked off, but you're still his child. He may have gone astray. You may have gone astray, but you can never get too far from God. But you know what I've learned? Just like how God was able to welcome him back and go kill the fatted calf and have the celebration, just like we do, so did this other brother do. And said, God, I've been here. God, I've been here. I ain't never asked for nothing. But you go ahead and give him everything. And I love what the father said. And it just shows me that the same privileges that that one got, we all got. The father told, told the son, but you've been here. <laughs> all you had to do was take it, Jesus. All you had to do was ask. The reason why many of us don't have nothing is because you never ask God. You never ask him nothing. You get jealous and you covet over what somebody else got. But you never go to your the same father and you ask that like ASAP, how they live is so good. You wonder how they live is so good. Why don't you talk to God about your living conditions? If you don't like how you live, say, Father, I don't want to live this way. If you don't like what you work, Father, I don't want to work like this. If you don't want to eat like you eat, Father, I don't want to eat like this. If you don't like how you dress, Father, I don't like how I'm dressing. Ask him for what you want. His word says you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. He, Jesus said, if you want it, ask for it. If you, and, and, and because you know I got it, come look for it. That's what his word says. That's what, thank you, Jesus. That's what his word says. We beat them up. But I learned something. I learned something. That through all of this, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In my resetting of God resetting me and he refreshing me in, <clears throat> in some things that he has shown me in my life. One of the things that God showed me is that we beat this man, this son, for asking his father. We beat him up and how he goes out and wasted it. 
but then we celebrate another woman, hallelujah. A woman that was so beat up that she was so sick that, that, that while Jesus was on his way to heal somebody else, we celebrate this woman because even though she wasn't supposed to be in the crowd, she, was, she had to sneak in through the crowd. She snuck in through the mist. She didn't, she didn't, she, she knew if she brought attention to herself that somebody would say, get away from here. So she snuck in and she had her own plan. She knew if I could just make it to him, I'm not going to talk to him. I just believe that he got just enough what I need in his clothes because I don't want to touch him. I want to just touch what he's wearing because he's a, if, it's, if, if he's so holy, what he's wearing has got to be holy. And I'm just as ragged and toe up. But if I can just get there to him and the word says that she snuck in and while he was on his way to Jerry's house and I could see the folk touching him, everybody touching him, everybody pulling him and I could see Jerry said, come on Jesus you gotta get to my house, come on Jesus, I need you to get to my daughter come on Jesus, have you ever pressed God with a come on Jesus have you ever prayed, said come on Jesus, my baby's sick come on Jesus, my daughter's sick, come on Jesus have you ever pressed him before have you ever pressed my, my husband ain't right. My son ain't right. My house ain't right. Come on, Jesus. And it looked like Jesus is on his way. And all of a sudden, he puts the brakes on in the midst of it. You feel him on his way. You feel that he's coming. You feel that the anointing is on the way. You feel the anointing. You feel his presence. And then some stuff. The Bible says, this woman who didn't ask him for nothing, reached up to him, grabbed his hem. The theologians, some say that she grabbed his sleeve. Some said that she was so low on the ground that she grabbed the bottom of his robe. His robe was a hem. But I don't care where she grabbed him. All I know is that when she grabbed anything on him, she knew that something was going to happen. She never met him. But she knew when she got to him that something was going to happen. She knew that he had it. She wasn't going to ask him, but she went and took it. What I want to tell you today, you ain't got to ask him because you've been in his midst long enough. If you know that he got it, you ought to just go up there and get it from him. If you know that he got it, you've been here long enough. You've been here long enough. You done seen God do too much stuff. For you to sit there and act like God won't bless you. For you to sit there and act like God won't come to you. You've been with him long enough. Just like the brother. If the brother can ask. You ain't got to sit there. You can ask too. But you ought to have enough audacity. Have enough courage. Have enough faith. To say I'm going to reach for him. I'm going to reach for him. I'm going to reach for him. I'm not going to ask him anything because he got it. And because he got it. It belonged to me. It belonged to me. I know that it belongs to you. I know that it belongs to you. You ain't got to be jealous, but it belongs to you. God said, I got it for you. We'll sing that song. God got a blessing with your name on it. The Bible, that song said, make no difference. 
What you got, thank you, Jesus. It may, I'm going to start right there. It makes no difference. It makes no difference who you are. It makes no difference. As we get elevated, some things you ask for, you got to come up there to it. But while you are down low, God knows how to bless you. While you're in your worst case, God got blessings for folks in their worst case. But if you want to get some higher, you got to come up higher. You got to reach higher. You can't stay on the floor trying to get from on the top shelf. You got to get off the floor. You got to get up to the next level. Got to get to the next cabinet to get to the top floor. You got to keep reaching just like when mama ain't around. And she said, you can't have it. You still find a way. You still find a way to go in and get it. I'm going to tell somebody, you ain't going to find a way. Just go get it. Just go get it. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Just go get it. You his son, you his daughter, that's your father. He loves you. Just go get it. Just go get it. You can't expect to get, I'm going to tell you this, you can't expect to be a doctor with a, with a kindergarten education, can you? You can't expect to own a house living in a cardboard box, can you? You got to elevate yourself. You got to, you got to will yourself to come up. God said, I'm right here waiting for you. How bad do you, Jesus, how bad do you want it? <laughs> how bad do you want it? Are you ready to reach for it? Anybody, somebody in here, are you ready to reach for it today? Are you ready to reach for it? Do me get on your feet real quick. Just get on your feet real quick. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There was a game. When I was a child, there was this game. It was called Captain May I. Anybody ever play that little game? It was called Captain May That's what us poor folk used to play. Uh, Captain May I. You, you couldn't get it until the captain, the, the, the rules were, the captain says, captain says, take two steps forward. And you would say, Captain May I. And the captain would say, yes, you may. Hallelujah. And then, and then, and then if you didn't say, Captain, may I, then you would have to go back. But what I learned in this message today, when God said you can, you ain't got to say, may I. He said, come get it. Why do you think Jesus said, you, if you knock on the door, somebody get to knocking for me. Just, just knock for me. Just knock. If you knock on the door, It'll open up for you. It'll open. Who here needs a door open today? If you need a door, raise your hand. Need that door open today. But then but the, but the woman with the issue of blood says, you ain't got to knock on it. You can bust through the door and you can reach for it. I dare somebody in here, reach your hand up. Pull it down. Pull it down. Reach for it. Pull it down. Pull it down. That's your right. As a son, that's your right. As a daughter, pull it down. Give God some praise in this place. Jesus, I'm about through. One of the things Jesus did when he died on the cross, he didn't tell us. <laughs> When you get born again, if you ask me, I'll let you in. He said, those who have a will, let him. Thank you, Jesus. 
let him come. He said, if you want me, come get me. Thank you, Jesus. If you want some Jesus, you ain't got to ask him. Jesus, may I? You can step out from where you are and you can come get him. You can step out from where you are. You want that blessing. You got to know how to step out from where you are. Get out from your comfort zone. Get out from your mess. Get out from what others are saying. Get out from where your conditions say that you can't be. You get out from that. Because last time I checked, God got all power. God got all power. God got all power. God got all power. Don't he have all power, church? Don't he got all power, church? Don't he, don't he have all power, church? And what I love about Jesus said, Jesus said, whatever you want, if you say it in my name, if you think you can't reach for it, whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father be glorified, you can get it. I want you to know today, the Bible tells us, not just one more, but the Bible tells us that we're all sinners saved by grace. Every one of us in here. How you dress ain't going to get you in. How pretty this place is is not going to get you in. But love will. Because the Bible tells us that love covers a multitude of sins. Because with the love comes the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With love comes the blood. The blood came because of love. When he went to the cross. The Bible shows it. It don't say in the Bible, but we believe because we sing a song about it. We say because it reaches, hallelujah, to the highest mountain. Who believe that today? That his blood still reaches to the highest mountain. Because when you're up on the mountain, sometimes you need the blood to get you way up there. But sometimes when you're at your lowest point, the Bible said that also that it flows to the lowest valleys. Anybody ever been low before? Anybody ever been low before? That it'll reach you no matter how low you are. The Bible will reach you while you're low. It, the blood will reach you. And why does it reach you? Because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. It's the blood of Jesus. And it still works. Glory. Hallelujah. It still works. If you need help with getting Whatever you need from the Lord. Hallelujah. I need help with that sometimes. I need help with that sometimes. I was talking one time. I ain't going to tell you who it was. And I said, man, I don't know if I, if I, I want that, but I'm not going to get it. And he told me, he said, well, just remember, just tell the Lord, remember, God, I'm your servant. <laughs> he said, I'm your servant. You can get it. <laughs> And I thought about that today. I said, I'm scared to ask. <laughs> because sometimes when you go to God, you ask for some stuff. When he tells you you ain't got room enough, it's because we ain't got room enough. When God gets ready to bless us, sometimes what God is doing is preparing you for what you ask for. And He's you said, I'm trying to reach. Yes, keep moving. 
He wants you to move to go get it. That's why faith without works is dead. You can't say you love God with faith, but don't go out there and reach for it to go. Hey, Jesus, and don't try to reach for it to go get it. You got to know how to reach for it because you know that he got it. Like the woman with the issue of blood because she knew that he had it. She never met him, but she knew that he had it. We ain't seen him, but we know that God got it. And we, when you go on your knees, sometimes you got to get on your knees. Sometimes you just got to get up and start going to get it. You got to come out of wherever you are. You got to know how to go get it and go get it. You got to wait for me. You got to ask me, what do you think? You know what it is. You know God for yourself. You know how to talk to your mama. Then go talk to your God. You talk to him. That's what prayer is. We dress it up. But prayer is communication between you and your father. When the disciples said, teach us how to pray. First thing he said was our father. He let, you, he let all of them know. You, you ain't in the class by yourself. We're not in the class by ourselves. We got the same father. All of us in here. Got the same father. And when we want God to whip on folk because we feel like they don't treated us wrong, maybe God got to whip on us because we ain't treating them right. Do y'all hear me today? We can't say we want to be blessed and we don't want to live holy. Holy is showing does this dying world that yes, Jesus still lives and we got a father that still loves you. You're worried about tattoos and piercings and concerts. But Jesus gave us two rules. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second one is just like it. And he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And when they didn't get that message, Jesus had to write in the dirt. When they didn't get that message, he had to write in the dirt. When they went and got some woman that they caught in the act of adultery, they up there peeping Tommy, watching what she doing. But they left the man where he was, and they bring her. See, we so good at pointing out stuff to everybody else. We so good at throwing rocks and, and bricks and stones and taking folks' cars and running through the building. We so busy with that. But I love Jesus. He said, I'm, I'm cool with that. Uh, you said, Moses' law said, we got to stone her. Jesus, I'm cool with that. I'm in agreement. Whoever the, ain't got no sin, get your rock first. Get your rock first. You worry about everybody else, what, how they looking. And you see what they got. You're jealous and you're envious. But they God's children. They are still God's children. Yes, we got to still teach the word. We teach the word in love. When they come in and they get it and we teach them about it and they ask questions about it, you teach it to them in love. You don't sit there and beat them up. They need love. The world, they get that. They get hatred and abuse from the world. They need to get some love when they come in here. Because don't you need love? Don't you need love? We can't function without love. Every last one of us in here need love and want love. Because if you, who, who married? Raise your hand. Don't just talk with you for a second. If your husband or your wife don't give you no hug or no sugar, after a while, you're going to think something wrong. You can take a seat. 
You take a sick mother. I'm going somewhere else. I'm just following the Holy Ghost because this is what we need. If, if, if you feel like your husband, your wife ain't giving you that type of love and attention, you may give. And Barbara said, what's wrong with you? Robert said, what, what, man, what's wrong with you? If I walk by her and just braise by her, so I'd be teasing. She's like, what's wrong with you? You want to know why you ain't getting no love. Don't you know if you wonder why you ain't getting no love, why do you think when folk walk through that door, they don't feel love? They want the same thing you want. You want a relationship with God, they want one too. They don't want the world. That's why they come in here. When they come, because we ain't going to get them. Oh, Lord Jesus. We ain't going to get them. We too embarrassed to talk to them in the street, even though Jesus said, go ye therefore in all the world. We too embarrassed because we're about what other folks are going to think. But if you die today, would you go to heaven based on how you treated somebody else? That's the word. I've been the word all through this. That's the word. You want to come and shout great, but you leave out here as us. You came in here as a, as, a, as a messed up sinner. You come in here and you shout. You leave as a messed up sinner and you don't feel no love. That's wrong. And that's bad. That is so bad. None of us should never leave out of this place not oozing with love. Do you hear me? Every one of us should leave out of here oozing with love. That when you walk by a person that don't feel love, love will just jump on them. It'll just jump on them. Do y'all hear me? St. Paul, we've been here, we've been, we, as Minister Chum told me all the time, Pastor, this church is established, right? We've been established this long, but guess what? We got to show what God has been showing us. Love. We have to love on some folk. I have a cousin when he was doing crazy stuff. I went to go visit him. My aunt told me, Daniel, I know you're a preacher. You don't have to preach to him all the time. Can you show him some love? And I got mad at her because she wanted to call me out. I look at her, who you think you are? I'm a pastor. Don't tell me, I know what love is. Don't you tell me. I'm saying under my breath too. And then the Lord had to jack me up. Said you ought to be the epitome of love to your own family. You ought to be the epitome of love to your own children. Stop beating folk up when you see them doing stuff for their children that you won't do for yours. Stop beating folk up. We got, many of us got children that, that should be in the church and ain't in the church and we still bless them and then we talk about them on the phone. I can't still believe she doing that for that girl. Old as she is, she's still babysitting. We got to stop that. Because somebody is showing love. We got to love on them. You call it spoiling, but God calls it love. I'm going to end it with this. When Jesus went to the cross, why did he go to the cross? Because of love. Why did he die on the cross? Because of love. Why did he get about the grave? Because of love. And when he come back, ain't going to be because of love. 
It's because of judgment. And he's going to judge them who haven't been loving nobody. Prepare yourself. If you die today, would you go to heaven tonight? That's your question. For you, only you know that.